This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. The Cubby House is a show about two cub-identifying guys exploring the big and hairy issues in and around the bear community. This program is designed for a mature audience. It may contain adult themes, sex and drug references, and of course, coarse language. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome to the Cubby House for the 15th of April. I'm Cookie. And no, no, Kevin, I'm sorry. He is not available today. Could you leave a message at the beep? Beep. No, funny, funny. <laughs> sorry, guys. Couldn't you even done a falsetto beep? Like, beep. Or, you know, something a little more than beep. beep. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Bear Show here. It's got to be in the lower tones. But thank you, because on this show tonight, you've just heard the dulcet tones of our guest tonight, Mr. Nicholas. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to welcome you on behalf of Cookie and myself to the Cubby House. Why, thank you. <laughs> and if you have There's a whole face that goes along with that voice as well that is just amazing. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, you're going to have to imagine this uh, wonderful Cubs uh, repertoire of uh, facial expressions tonight because we're joined also with the Vixen Hour's own host, Mr. Christian Vega. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? It's nice to be on Prematurely. That hasn't happened before, ever, I promise, I swear. It, it's the good kind of premature, not yeah, yeah. the, oh, oh, that's embarrassing. Yeah, it's it's so premature that you could go at it again. See, I like that. That's a wonderful way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just, just take a break for five minutes while we're talking about something else and then go for a second round. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so, yes, I am here on the Cubby House pretty early, but I will be back for the Vixen Hour later. So, yeah, you're not missing out on me. You get twice the Christian. That sounds really bizarre. (laughs) (laughs) Because strangely enough, uh, well, we've got Nick on specifically because, Nick, you're a chef. Yes. Um, Amongst many other things. Yes, of course. course. We're we're mainly focusing on food today, and uh, we start because we're going to focus on sex and food. Two best things in the world, one would argue. Amazing. Yes. It's uh, part of Kink Corner for this week. It's going to be how food can adapt to sex and the fun you can have with it. Uh, we've also got um, what it takes to be a chef. So having a look at you know, what gets you to this point. Um, well, it was quite an interesting journey for me. I, well, Yes, yes, I'm sure it was. We're going to talk about that later on the oh, show. Fine. Uh, <laughs> food and culture. So things like um, MasterChef. What has it done to the hospitality industry? And we can see a cringe right there. Indeed, indeed. Master Chef. (laughs) There's a shudder, ladies and gentlemen, that you can't see. You could probably hear. It's the rumbling of the table, trust me. Um, But on top of that, you're both got something in common here. Christian, we all know we all know what your part of it is. You, you host a show about being a sex worker, but uh, absolutely. 
Nick, you've had some dabbling in the industry as well, so we'll talk a little bit about that later. Hooray! I'm not the only one, see? <laughs> There's other males out there, trust me. There is now, a nodding and stroking of the moustache going on in my corner. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> now, we are going to ask you tonight, as we always do, for the answer to the question, what is your favourite dine-out dish? And here's the ways you can contact us. Want to have your say on the Cubby House project? Contact us through Facebook at facebook.com slash the Cubby House. The Cubby House project on Joy 94.9. We've definitely got some uh, people who just won't grow up in this studio <laughs> in the form of Nick, our guest, as well as Christian. Hello. <laughs> from the Vixen Hour. It's a marketing ploy to not grow up. So my age hasn't changed for the past five years. Well, it is the Cubby House after all. <laughs> Come on, guys. Isn't what they say about that's what they say about scientists? You know, all kids are born scientists and we train it out of them, but adult scientists are the kids that survive. Because they have an imagination? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I like it. Hmm. Here's to refusing to grow up. Mm-hmm. Well done to that. Hmm. But unfortunately, I'm going to have to put you through a bit of a quiz, <gasps> which means you would have had to pay some attention to the news of late. Oh, God. <clears throat> yes. Uh-oh. Oh, this, this could be quite a challenge for you guys, I'm sure. Yeah. <clears throat> no. Seven questions. Now, do we want Nick to try and answer them all, or are you going to have a crack at this too, Christian? That could be disastrous, because I don't watch the news, so I know everyone hates me for it, but... Should we buzz in? I think we'll give that a go. All right, so your question... I know how we're buzzing in. I don't have a buzzer. (laughs) We'll just have to make a comical sound of our choice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And your buzzer, Nick? I have no idea. That sounds good to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, pick me, pick me, teacher. I'm ever so smart. All right, your first question, guys... What is the international artist recently released their second single worldwide on Saturday while also broadcasting it live via YouTube and claims it's because they don't want to be a one-hit wonder? Additionally, what was their first hit? We have blank stares in the room. Pass. Have not been paying attention. Okay, international artist recently released his second single worldwide via YouTube. <clears throat> he won many, many awards and uh, he's from the south of one of the uh, two countries. No. This is so far. <laughs> going so far over the top of my head, it may as well be on the roof. It's Psy Kick to you. Yes. Oh, Psy. Right. Yes. Psy, and his first hit was Gangnam Style. He recently released his second single called Gentleman. I heard. I probably saying, knew that. I just needed to repress. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure. Well, someone was saying the other day that they were at some festival where Psy was playing and um, he did Gun Gum Style, obviously, and then he started to play his second song and there was a whole lot of people in the crowd going, no, you can only sing Gun Gum Style. That's your only song. Stop it. Stop it. Yes, yes. Mm. Now, second question. What brand of clothing was in the title of a movie and novel for which Mel Streep acted as the head of the magazine Runway? Blah. Oh. The Devil Wears Prada. Thank you. Correct. So oh my is... God, my brain does work. Congratulations. <laughs> I was, that's my, one of my favourite movies. How could I not remember that? <laughs> Third I... question. Ricotta cheese is not considered a true cheese because its main ingredient is what byproduct of the cheese-making process? Oh. Blah. It's either curds or whey. Or I've just totally made that up. Do you want to pick one? Way. Correct, it is way. 
Well done, well done. See, I was trying to remember how you make it, and then be like, oh, damn it. I remembered it had something to do with Little Miss Muffet. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Funny you should say that, but anyway. Now, which comedian in this year's Melbourne Comedy Festival caused an outrage of fans to encourage boycotting of the comedian because of their routine, claimed to be extremely misogynistic and lacking of humour? You guys are still clueless on this one? Yeah. 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 If you didn't hear the news today, it was Tracy Morgan. Uh, star, uh, one of the stars 30 of 30 Rock. Rock. Mm. Oh, okay. Yes. Which model steps down as David Jones' ambassador this year? And for a bonus point, who replaced her? Blair, it's Megan Gale. I'm going to hand over for the bonus point. Uh, you're uh, actually incorrect with Megan um, Gale. I have no idea. It starts with M. Does anybody have another go? Three, two, one. No. Miranda Kerr was the ambassador, um, and she's been replaced by Jessica Gomez. Of course. Mm. <laughs> now, what is Worcestershire sauce made from? Um, anchovies. Specifically how? Uh, they're fermented. Yes, they? dissolved in vinegar. Bones and all are part of the sauce. Mm. So, yes, that is correct. And for the last question, what is the most basic chemical compound found on a dinner table? Salt. What's the compound? Um, sodium chloride. Correct. Yay. And funnily enough, you both tied. Yay! <laughs> Everyone's a winner. Well done, well done. <laughs> You're on the Cubby House on Joy 94.9, and we'll be back in a moment to talk about food and how it can be sexy. Very, very sexy. <laughs> Les Rock is a rock climbing and bouldering group for ladies who like to get their rock climb on. The group meets fortnightly and welcomes new members of all skill levels. Email les.rock at yahoo.com.au if you're ready to reach for the stars and get your rock climb on with Les Rock. For over 30 years, Community Radio has informed and entertained listeners right across Australia. The future of Community Radio lies in our access to digital radio. In the next budget, the federal government needs to commit funding to keep us broadcasting on digital radio. If we don't get the funding we need, Community Radio will lose its place in this country's digital future. We need your voice in this fight. Visit committocommunityradio.org.au now. Joy 94.9 is proud to support the Commit to Community Radio campaign. On the Cubby House on Joy 94.9, it's a time for that really, really kinky stuff. Be careful what you're wearing. You never know what you're asking for here on the Kink Corner. And in the corner this week, we've got food, 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 more food. Amazing. How much, how much sexy stuff can you do with food, I wonder. Now, having both mentioned that you've both been sex workers at some point, I'm sure you've got many a story. But first of all, let's just start off nice and slow. Mm -hmm. How do we use food as an aphrodisiac? Are we talking about the food itself or the action of eating the food? Either either or. What would you consider a reasonable food to be playful and consider an aphrodisiac for yourself? Well, I think chocolate is up there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Chocolate is so... I I mean, just at the end of a... Because I always think eating is such a bizarre um, dating activity because it's such an unattractive process. And it's like you're inviting somebody who you're attracted to to actually witness you at probably your most unattractive (laughs) 
in eating. Um, so I, I find it quite interesting that you do. And so you do have to sort of try to make up with it. And I think chocolate and particularly chocolate dessert is a really sexy way to make up for it. Well, chocolate can actually contains very similar chemical compounds mm. to the um, now. Now I can't remember the word. Um, the brain chemicals yes. uh, that simulate love and affection and all of those mm. sort of things. So it's naturally um, aphrodisiac. Is that a word? I don't yes, know. that'll do. Yeah, yeah. Um, it facilitates bonding, oxytocin. That's it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So what about uh, as a, a going to a little bit more kinkier style as a play toy? How would you use food as a toy for sex? Well, this is the thing. Like, I always see sex as involving five senses. And it's a really... Um, when you sort of break it down to that level, it's, it's really obvious, like, the visual side of it, the smell side of it, the touch side of it. Mm. But, like, the taste side of it, not so much. Mm. If anything, it can be a negative thing. Like, people, mm. like, might not find it sexy or attractive or mm. they might find certain tastes not um, to their liking. But to actually incorporate food, to actually incorporate tastes that you like, like, um, sort of rounds off, I guess, mm. the sensory experience of sex. So bringing in food is a real sort of way to sort of complete the experience. We also have to remember that sex in its essence is more than just the penetration aspect of mm. sex. The entire uh, intimacy point and foreplay has to be incorporated into the idea as well. Absolutely. You know, things like strawberries are amazing because they taste great. Well, I, I think they do. Um, you can do sensation play with a strawberry by gently running it across somebody's skin. And because it's, you know, furry and cold and it provides an, an interesting sensation and you can, you know, run up the body over the lips and then you've got the smell of the strawberry mm. and then the person can eat it and it provides sensory stimulation on multiple different levels. Mm-hmm. And there's also the intimacy of you then feeding your partner. And that's the thing about food play, because food isn't all j- about flavour, like um, Nick just described. It is about its texture, the way it feels, not just in your mouth, but on your skin and, like, mm. when you mush it. <laughs> <laughs> or crunch it or oh, whatever yeah. you happen to be <laughs> yeah. doing with the food. You know? Yeah. Now, have any of you ever heard of a body banquet? I have. Yes, what, I have what involves What is involved in a body banquet? Uh, so it's it's basically using the body as a serving dish, if you like. Mm-hmm. So um, laying out all sorts of food down it. It's very popular in Japanese culture. It does have a proper name. However, I can't remember it right now. Somebody uh, text in 0427, joy 919. <laughs> that would be a wonderful idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, you basically, you can do it with, you know, with main meals, desserts, whatever you want to do, and you lay it out all over the person. And, you know, you typically have things that aren't going to melt or run or anything like that. And it's another great way of having a sensory experience for both the top and the bottom in the situation. Uh, one thing I'd like to consider is how would you do a bare belly? What sort of food would you put on a nice round surface? 
Well, sushi is actually one of the most popular mm. items that are used in this type of thing. And one of the great things about sushi when you're plating it on any surface, um, but, you know, in this context, particularly a round surface like a belly or if it's on a female body, it would, you can put it over the breasts and things like that. Because of the gelatinous quality of the rice, it actually grips really well. <laughs> um, we had a couple of instances at functions that I've worked where kids didn't like the sushi and so threw it at the windows. And like you have like eight feet off the ground, there's this piece of sushi, <laughs> a little rice mark sliding down the window. Sounds a bit messy to me, which is actually another type of food play is what's considered wet and messy. Mm. Mm. Well, that, that description of, I guess, the food banquet can seem... Very tidy (laughs) in terms of like not make it's very Japanese not making a mess. (laughs) Things but so to take it to the other extreme, I was thinking the perfect thing on a belly is like a massive pavlova. Oh pavlova belly. Yeah. Mm. One something you can just like dive right into and something that's also (laughs) quite light and fluffy as well. So it just kind of, you know, goes all over the place. I'm just having visions of cherries in belly buttons. It's quite disturbing. Fun, yeah, fun. yeah, totally fun. But there's lots of things you can try. Yes, um, and the last one, just want to quickly touch on, is feeding mm. as a fetish. There's there's um, two categories in this as well, because you've got feeding as in you know the person is restrained and you're force feeding them just whatever you want to feed them, and then there's the more intimate, you know, feed going out or you know sitting in bed with a plate of chocolates or strawberries or mango is another brilliant one. Um, the reason that mango is so brilliant for it is because it's so juicy and it's runny. It gives you an excuse if you're laying in bed with your partner feeding each other mango with just your hands and you've got all of this delicious mango juice. All over yourself, you've got a legitimate excuse to just, you know, give your partner a good lick wherever the juice may fall. <laughs> Absolutely. And you don't want to end up sticky. No, like, you know, no. So, you know. And then you've got the excuse of, oh, we've just eaten a whole mango, but we're all sticky. I know. Let's shower okay. together. Absolutely. Mm, you know, I'll wash your back, you wash mine. Uh, <laughs> or you can forget about showering and. You know, just the sweat will wash it off, you know. <laughs> End up very stuck together in the morning. <laughs> so when, when you're down the sh- supermarket, keep those things in mind if you want to spice up your love life. That was the Kink Corner for this week. Just in uh, discussion, we've been talking about food and we'll continue to talk mostly about food tonight. <laughs> and... Uh, Dink, we're talking about food because you're a chef. Yes, amongst, as we said, many other things. Indeed, indeed. But seeing as you're so knowledgeable about food, I wanted to know, what did you do when you said to yourself, I want to become a chef? Where did you go from there? Um, Well, basically, I went out and found myself an apprenticeship. uh, Which, you know, sounds really simple, but is a lot more complicated than it sounds. Um, And from there, you know, went to... TAFE and, you know, did my three years of my commercial cookery certificate and then finished out the time of my apprenticeship and, you know, qualified and haven't really looked back since. Okay. So does it take a special knack to prepare food or can anybody kind of just throw in and, and jump in and cook? It depends on what you're trying to achieve from the food because it is true that any, everybody can cook in the same way that everybody can sing. 
Mm-hmm. You know, everybody can, you know, cook two-minute noodles or things like that, but there is a level of skill and talent and training that goes into preparing, you know, a, a delicate dish or a more sophisticated dish because you have to be able to understand food on a more intense level, like the way that flavours interact with each other and the way that different ingredients would react with one another and certain ingredients that you shouldn't mix in a dish. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, fair enough. So, what's the horror stories, if any, when you were training that you can think of? All right, my earliest horror story would have to be the first job I was working in. And like a lot of chefs, the first chef that I ever worked for was, you know, a little bit too fond of the drink. Um, To the point where we used to go through three bottles of white wine and a cask of cooking wine about every day and a half. And the the last night that I actually worked for him as a shift, he was so drunk that... Uh, and I'd been an apprentice for two and a half months at this stage. He was so drunk that he couldn't stand. And so I was running out to the tables, getting everybody's orders, cooking the food, running the food to them, and doing the dishes and everything else because, you know, he couldn't stand. And he's giving me instructions on how to do stuff, and it's just awful. So I left very soon after that. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, and as a chef, you prepare a lot of dishes day in, day out, and I'm sure you work yourself to a point where you're, you're really starving. And at what point have you made something and thought, I really want to try this right now? Um, well, I do that probably about 15 or 16 times a day because I like to make sure that everything that I send out of my kitchen is up to a standard that I would be happy with eating. And if I've, you know, even if I spent 15 minutes preparing somebody's food and I taste it and it's horrible, you know, I'll scrap it and make it again because I don't want to send something to a customer that I wouldn't eat myself. And it's very important that you taste your own food because you have to know what you're serving to people or what you're eating or if you've added too much or too little of an ingredient. Mm -hmm. You can't, it's not something you can just guess with. Or at least I don't think it is. Fair enough. Well, we'll be back in a few more minutes to talk more about, obviously, how people have experienced uh, cooking and food preparation through shows like MasterChef and the like and (laughs) how that makes Nick react. You're on The Cubby House. Welcome back to The Cubby House. Yeah, enjoy 94.9. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, amongst many other things, Nick has a great talent for voices. Why, thank you very much. You're welcome, you're welcome. Now, on the Cubby House tonight, we are talking food, being Nick, a chef, and the uh, avoidance of Kevin, who usually puts his two cents in where food's concerned. And uh, I can say much scowling. Well, do, we'll just put a picture of Kevin on the wall scowling at me every time I say anything, and it'll be just the same. Uh, uh, angry cat. Grumpy cat, Grump, yeah. Grumpy cat, yes. yeah. Grumpy cat does not approve of your input. That's Kevin, I think, for tonight. <laughs> That's why he's not here. Great. Yes. Um, so, yeah, obviously people have had a new experience uh, through TV with the likes of uh, MasterChef and My Kitchen Rules. And um, 
obviously with the, the likes of Gordon Ramsay coming in and making horror stories and drama stories about kitchens. So has that influenced uh, the way people perceive these sort of uh, situations for the average chef? Uh, I believe it has very much. Um, I'm, I'm going to deal with it in two categories. We'll start off with like the professional aspect with shows like Gordon Ramsay and things like that, how it affects professional chefs and their behaviour. Um, in the recent years, like since I started chefing, there's been a big resurgence in the industry of people saying that their behaviours that were exhibited to apprentices in you know previous decades um, should be phased out because a lot of the horror stories that you get from older chefs are about you know when they were an apprentice and they'd get tarred and tarred and feathered. Mm, the, the hazing sort. Yeah, of. Yeah, the hazing sort yeah. of thing, which now is an outdated ritual, mm-hmm. and everywhere it's getting phased out. But with programs like Gordon Ramsay, a lot of people who are you know considered cowboy chefs and very egotistical people all of a sudden are getting this high level chef who's worldwide respected who's just treating everybody appallingly they think that that then becomes okay Mm -hmm. and so they then take on this huge bravado persona and the ego gets even bigger and you know you you end up getting people like me who just you know i'm not a i'm not an angry chef i'm not a grumpy chef but you know i don't deal with people's crap yeah you don't don't tolerate that sort of attitude no right Um, and, and, and the other side of things? Um, with shows like MasterChef and My Kitchen Rules and all that sort of thing, it is it is actually having quite an effect on the customer base mm-hmm. because people seem to be losing their appreciation for how much work and training and, you know, preparation time goes into, you know, becoming a chef and building your skills and learning to do the, the amazing things with food that a lot of she- most chefs can do. And, you know, people come in and they don't want to pay for anything or they don't they don't think that your work is worth what it's worth Mm -hmm. and the pay for most one of the things that's driving people out of the industry is how low the pay actually is for a qualified chef right um so uh, is there a dish I'm only asking this now because this is something I wanted to talk about last week. Um, but is there a dish out there that then becomes a standard dish, for, say, the, the pub style of, of uh, meals, that um, people can go to every different pub and expect that this will be on the menu, thus being able to judge across the board which they would like to go to and partake in that restaurant more often? In Australia, typically the chicken parma would be something that a lot of people go in and that'll be the first thing that they'll try mm-hmm. because, you know, it's one of the most... It's, it's a staple of the pub menu. It's considered very basic, but, you know, you can do little things to take more care with it and make it that little bit better or that little bit more interesting, like using fresh chicken instead of the, you know, pre-prepared frozen chicken breasts that are the perfect heart shape and all the same size that you can get from suppliers or, you know, using a fresh Napoli that you've, you know, spent a couple of hours cooking so that it's really nice mm-hmm. and then, you know, a good quality mozzarella cheese or something like that, and then how it's cooked, whether you just, you know, throw it in the oven for five minutes and hope for the best, or, you know, into the um, fry the schnitzel, put it in the oven under the salamander to crisp the cheese. You know, mm-hmm. there's little things you can do to make it that little bit more interesting. Okay. And also the quality of steak and the way the steak is cut and things like that that you get, mm-hmm. or, you know, what sides you get. Do you just get, like, you know, chips and, like, a handful of mixed leaves as a salad? Or, you know, do you get, you know, a little bit more interesting? Okay. 
We'll have you back on a little bit later on in the show to talk about some of your favourite dishes. But uh, in between that and uh, this song, I'd actually like to pose the question to you, dear listener. What is your favourite dine-out dish? And here's the ways you can let us know. Want to have your say on The Cubbyhouse Project? Contact us through Facebook at facebook.com slash thecubbyhouse. The Cubbyhouse Project on Joy 94.9. You're on Joy 94.9, and as I said before, uh, Nick, the man, the chef, and the many other things here has, as we've seen, many different voices <laughs> we've been able to pull out. <laughs> Thank you very much, Nick. Amazing. <laughs> yes, You're amazing. welcome. <laughs> it's fun being here. I liked it. Yay! <laughs> That makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, what we're going to ask you now is, being a chef, I am sure you've got many a repertoire. Uh, so, I'm going to give you a list of a few things, and I want you to tell me, what would you consider your favourite or best dish for the following things? For yourself, what is your favourite or best dish? To cook or to eat? For yourself, so you're going to eat it. So mm. you're going to cook it, then eat it. So have your cake and eat it too. What's the cake? Ooh, cake. Um, I love a good medium rare roast beef with a red wine and raspberry sauce. Well, jus, correct term, but you know. What? What's jus? I'm sorry, it's... A jus? Um, jus, yes. J-U-S. It's a reduced sauce typically <laughs> containing um, meat juices and... Um, you know, flavours such as red wine and you infuse herbs and spices into it as well to give it a lovely, rich, rounded flavour. Okay. And it's typically a fairly thick sauce and very strong, so you don't need very much of it. Mm-hmm. It's like gravy, but pretentious. Mm, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I'm staring daggers right now. <laughs> Jus Lee is like gravy. Uh-huh. Um, Jus typically doesn't contain flour or anything like right. that. Mm. Um, yeah. Yes, yes. It's sauce. Con- continental separation there. <laughs> yes, yes. This desk is no longer Gondwana land. You can have Asia and I will take a- a- Australia over here and we're, we're just going to separate ourselves from the rest of the yes, you grand have your continent. Jus. Yes. Although I think it'd be European because it'd be like, yes, we have jus. It is not your bourgeois gravy. It is a fun, okay. delicate sauce. <laughs> I'm gonna s- oh. Where is this coming from? Oh, I'm sure you're letting the whole repertoire of characters go now. Um, now, for a date or a partner, what would you cook to impress? And he's thinking. He's thinking. It is so hard. Wait. The, the thinking part, not anything else. <laughs> Get out of the gut, are you? Um, I don't know, because it depends on the person, really. <laughs> <laughs> don't put me in your little boxes. I, I could cook more than one thing, damn you. Uh, yeah, it depends on what the person likes, because, you know... I. If if someone's a real seafood fan, I might make seafood even though I can't eat it. I can still cook it. You know? Right, right. Uh, okay, for, what about a dinner party? What would you put out as your best dish? Um, I would probably do a range... Because I did a, a birthday party a couple of years ago for a friend's family. Mm-hmm. And so we did like a beautiful... Um, roasted pumpkin soup and then a selection of roast meats so we had pork lamb and beef with gravy yes i did make gravy and you know roasted vegetables and stuff like that and then i think we did like a a cheesecake and a tiramisu for dessert which was really tasty okay okay Mm. and finally on the list uh 
for an all-out excuse treat. So, bad day, just want something to really make you feel good. What is it? All right. Anyone who knows me will know exactly what I say when I say I've just whipped up a batch of my depression brownies on Facebook. And then I typically get this huge list of people going, oh, my God, get me over, get me one now. <laughs> because I make... Um, brownies that are so dense with chocolate that it's actually mm. very difficult to tell when they're baked <laughs> because you know you normally stick a fork or something in and when it doesn't stick to it but there's so much chocolate in it that it doesn't actually set until you put it in the fridge <laughs> amazing <laughs> yeah it gets this crispy layer on the top and um you bite into one and not only do you get the flavor of chocolate but it actually gets to the back of your throat and fills your sinuses with the um the smell of chocolate as well and it's got this beautiful um moist velvety texture to it as well yeah i love my brownies all right we're gonna get that i'm I'm hoping on a recipe up on the the facebook at some stage oh i don't know can't reveal all my secrets (laughs) but i think i might be able to share that with the bear community you know all right share the love all right that'll be up on facebook.com forward slash the cubby house at some stage over the next week and uh, before we get to some more interesting stories about sex work being next hour, of course. We're actually going to do a bit of a precursor into that coming up here on the Cubby House. Hey, Cookie. Yes. We mentioned tiramisu before. Yes. Do you know tiramisu was invented by an Italian brothel owner? No. Mm. Literally translated, it's, it, it means pick-me-up, and he thought combining alcohol and caffeine was a good way to keep clients both awake and horny at the same time. I like that. I like that a lot. Right, right, right. Mm. See, See, food is useful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it is, and definitely in your profession. Now, we, uh, whoever hasn't been listening to the Vixen Hour should know that you are a sex worker, because that's what all you talk about. It and, is. And stuff around. <laughs> so, just quickly, on your resume, what would you put down as part of your sex work? Okay, so I've done all different types of sex work. So I started doing street-based sex work and then I moved on to escort work. So working for an escort agency. Um, then I started doing private work. I've worked with people who... I spent the time working just with people with disabilities and just with people who were HIV positive. Mm-hmm. And then um, I took a break, went into a relationship, thought that was a big mistake. So I went back into sex work and decided that you know both of those things had to happen at the same time if they were going to happen. And so now I'm back into general um, private work and yeah... Okay. That's, that's my resume in a nutshell. Now, I, I mentioned resume because somebody has left off his resume, Nick, mm-hmm. that you have done some work in sex work. And why is that? Um, there tends to be uh, quite a bit of stigma associated with people who have done sex work. And you, you see it quite often where people have gotten older and they've decided that, you know, it's time for them to leave sex work and get a, more, uh, a more legitimate career i'm there's inverted commas there that people can't see because i forget you know radio is a purely auditory medium um (laughs) because i'm not claiming that uh, working as a sex worker isn't a legitimate career it's actually one of the oldest professions in the world Hmm. um and you know there's nothing wrong with it to be perfectly Mm. honest you know Mm. i enjoyed my time um yeah but 
you you're treated like a pariah a lot of the time. Yeah, in certain groups. Yeah, so I, I think people leave it off their resume for a whole range of reasons, and stigma is certainly one of those. But also, like you say, um, if if you put put it on your resume, people sort of expect you're doing it for a reason, mm. other than actually this is a job that involved a whole lot of skills and stuff that might yeah. be useful to the role that you're applying to. Mm. Um, but you you just can't do that because there's this massive stigma, um, I guess gap that, that people think you're putting it on there for a particular agenda. Hmm. I like to challenge that a lot and hmm. I just, I'll put it down anyway and put down a lot of my activism stuff um, on resumes and stuff and, you know, I'm lucky that I go for employers who would actually value what that sort of experience brings to their workplace. Yeah, well, I've found that there's actually a lot of skills involved with being a sex worker that have nothing to do with sex. Absolutely. Because there is a large area of the sex industry that doesn't actually involve sex hmm. because you ha- it's a lot of it's more about intimacy and contact and making people feel valued. And... Uh, <laughs> As well as sort of running a, um, a a small business as well. So, yeah, so it brings in all of these skills of things like time management and, you know, managing your own accounts and tax and all of that kind of stuff. Awesome. And I assume a lot of it is also got to do with uh, the, the three Ps, preparation, plan, um, well, cleanup is the other one. <laughs> Prior preparation prevents people performance. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, th- there's a lot of things, obviously, that, uh, that, in, uh, that incorporate. That relates to cooking as well. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So, just out of quick curiosity, who else wouldn't you disclose to for your own reasons? Um, certain members of my family I choose not to disclose to. Um, not because of any shame, but just because, you know, it's something that they don't really need to think about. So, you know, hmm. why? Hmm. It, it doesn't affect the interaction with you. No. So, yeah. Yeah, it's not yeah. pertinent. So, And and we've described, we, we did a whole episode of the Vixen Hour on coming out, and we've sort of certainly talked about coming out for sex workers as a choice mm-hmm. because, you know, while... Um, GLBTIQ people might feel like they can come out. Um, the world is a relatively safe space for them to do that. Um, for sex workers, it's not so much. So it's still a choice. So sometimes people are in particular circumstances where coming out isn't going to be entirely a positive thing for them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is a choice that's left up to each and every sex worker. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Nick mm-hmm. and Christian. Now, we'll come back in a sec if you want to hear more about Christian's podcast and where to find it. And on the Cuppy House for the last few more minutes, we have asked you, what is your favourite dining-out dish? Now, we've had a fair few responses, so we'll get to a few of them. Thank you very much to all those who have SMSed in or joined us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Cubby House. Uh, Natasha has given us a very good answer. As a vegetarian, I find it hard to get a decent meal as most places just provide a giant plate of carbs as their veg option. The recent surge of Mexican in Melbourne has been exciting for me as it's my favourite food. However, Guzman e Gomez is the best. 
Natasha. Thank you very much for that. And I'm assuming a lot of Mexican food is based around um, vegetables and beans and mm. the like. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we've also had another message who says, definitely a me- re- uh, medium rare steak with a garlic sauce with chips and a nice salad with the um, balsamic dressing to go along with it. Thank you very much for that person who was SMSed in. On the Facebook, we have had... Uh, somebody who we often have, Sparky, loves his schnitzel. Thank you very much, Sparky. <laughs> yes, yes, Sparky yes. and his favoritism of white foods. Uh, Rusty says his favorite <laughs> is a lemon chicken. And uh, Aiden says Mossburger. What's a Mossburger? I, I kind of want to know too. It seems rather interesting. Indeed, indeed. There's a whole heap more responses on Facebook. Thank you very much to all those who have joined in. Uh, you can join us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Cubby House to follow that or on Twitter uh, at the Cubby House with the hashtag CH Project. Now, Christian. Hi. One question for you I would like to know mm-hmm. is what is your one most important piece of sex advice you give your virgin self? My virgin self? Your virgin self. Oh, it's so long ago. I can hardly remember. Um, <laughs> Cecily, 1925. <laughs> Sorry, I just turned into Sophia. Oh, um, you did. Amazing. Um, I would say that to to my virgin self, if it was me, particularly that your body is beautiful and somebody will appreciate it because I sort of went through this awkward phase of being a teenager thinking I was the most horrible, disgusting troll on the planet and um, grew up to realise that that was a load of crap. Excellent. Thank you very much. Now, where can people find out more about your show for those who uh, might have to tune off in the next few minutes? Oh, so people, um, my show is pod- is quite heavily podcasted, and you can find all of those podcasts on the Joy website. You can also stay connected to the Vixen Hour on the Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash radio. Excellent. Now, thank you very much. And uh, if you like Christian's voice, you can spend the next hour of it listening to it <laughs> here on Joy 94.9. This has been The Cubby House. Thank you very much, Christian and to Nick and we'll catch you next Monday at 10 o'clock Wolf to you Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation Joy Help us keep Joy on air Head to joy.org.au Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community